0: You're listening to The Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church.
1: And then if if you got people that you're looking down on, that you're trying to prove your competency over in their life, then ask yourself why and allow that security that we have in Christ to inform yourself of, of how he sees you.
2: Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. Today, joined by two special guests. First, we got Ben kiowski worship pastor and all things extraordinary.
0: All things extraordinary, indeed. What to do, my friends.
2: <laughs> it's great to have you. I don't really know where I was going with that, but That's right. you can do it all. And lead pastor, Jose Abaroa. Good morning. Jose. Good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> Whatever time you're listening. Yep. We capped off a great series called Church That Heals with this past Sunday's message talking about becoming an adult and pursuing health. Mm -hmm. And so I love to start off every week by asking Jose, as you kind of prepared for the message, what are some of the big things and kind of takeaways that you kind of wanted to emphasize as you prepared for the message this Sunday?
1: I'm gonna start with the end where we finished and I actually didn't show this graph second service, but I did show it first service and that is pursuing health is the same as pursuing Jesus. When we pursue Jesus, we're really pursuing health. And when we pursue health the right way, it means that we're pursuing Jesus too. So there was this graph that um, the Honey Lake Clinic that is connected with uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, Sean was actually there two weeks ago and he got this stat from them. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it's it's crazy. I mean, 60%... Uh, 59 percent, 60 percent of U.S. teens have experienced depression in the last three months. This is pre-COVID graph, but 59% uh, of nominal Christians have experienced depression. So not a lot of difference there. But then when you jump to committed Christians, that stat changes to 30%. Same thing with anxiety, 66% and 64% with U.S. teens, nominal Christians, and then 49% with, of committed Christians, and then suicidal thoughts, 35%, 31% U.S. teens and nominal Christians, and then 12% of committed Christians. So it's not like We don't experience these things when we follow Jesus. Mental health and emotional wellness is a thing that we all go through highs and lows. But the bottom line is when we are secure in our identity and who we are and whose we are, it does change. Mm-hmm. Our health and it impacts us in a positive way, and it sets us apart from the pattern that the enemy really wants to uh, wants us to to repeat, which is you know being lost in, in depression and anxiety and and um, you know harmful thoughts and, and stuff like that. So that's really where I wanted to close out the series of saying we've talked about a lot of good stuff, but this doesn't stop just now. We need to continue to pursue health as we continue on.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great segue into my first question that had to do with kind of uh, being secure in Christ. That was kind of the big theme of the message on Sunday as far as just, uh, Jose, you just alluded to it, but who we are and whose we are. So I wanted to kind of first just kind of tag on or what are some of the ways that y'all have seen kind of... uh, the enemy attack or try to, to distract you from being secure in Christ? What are some of the things that you see people kind of quickly falling into uh, instead of being secure mm-hmm. in Christ?
0: Uh, I think the, the, the idea of competence is not competition it kind of describes where I see the enemy come in a lot in knowing who you are. Because you see someone that is competent in an area that maybe you're interested in or that you're also competent in. Um, and then you start, I, mean, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. And then sometimes we might say, or I might think, oh, well, this person's better than me because they are competent in that area also. Mm-hmm. And then I want to delve into being better than that person. So now I'm comparing and yeah. trying to be better than that person at that area. And then also... Um, somebody might be super competent in an area that I'm just not gifted in or I'm not I don't naturally do. And so I, I, I start comparing myself to them and then place myself, you know, under them, not in a not in an honor sort of way, but in a in a in a in a level of goodness or or mm-hmm. or um, um usefulness or, or importance, you know, when that's just not the case. Yeah. And so I think the enemy does a lot with the comp the, the confusion of competence and competition. It's okay. It's, okay for, it's okay for you, Taylor, to be good at the same things that I'm good at, mm-hmm. the same things that Jose is good at. It's okay for us all to be competent mm-hmm. yeah. at things. And then it's also okay for you to be super competent in the things that I'm not so strong in. All of that is okay without me being less than or you being less yeah. than or somebody being over someone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big,
1: yeah,
0: a big deal just across the board at whatever level people deal with it. I think most people deal with that at some level.
1: I agree. And the enemy loves to zoom in into our insecurities Mm -hmm. and speak so loudly. You're you're not good enough. You're not going to be as competent or, you know, you need to earn your way. You need to make sure that they know that you are more competent. Mm -hmm. And that's a tool that the enemy continually uses you know, I've experienced that in many different ways. I mentioned on Sunday, musicians, as, as a musician, you know, naturally you do it. I remember uh, when I was in Berkeley College of Music for a summer program when I was 15, and I was just hanging out with my friends, playing, jamming, and this piano player came in and goes, hey, can I can I play for a little bit? And that guy, I mean, he shamed, publicly shamed me in front of my friends, made it known <laughs> that he was a much better piano player than I was, and he, he was, yeah. uh, but I, it wasn't the fact that he was that made me feel bad. It was the fact that I realized that he was doing it to make me feel lesser than. And I was like, shoot, that's that's rough. And that's the music world. I mean, if especially at that level, if you want to pursue music as a career, you're competing, you're performing, you're you're proving your talent, your skill, your competence all the time. And it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, again, the enemy wants to zero in to our insecurities, in our performance, whereas when we are securing Christ, we zoom in into who we are. It's not about what we do. it's about understanding, I'm, I'm a child. I'm secure. And that helps us defeat the lies when the enemy speaks to, you know, "Well, you didn't do that, or you failed at this." You remember, "But I'm a child of God, and I have a heavenly Father that knows me. That, that loves me and uh, when we it's a process but when we anchor our hope in that then that really starts to to shape
0: i i think our competency we then actually start performing better yeah. um, i mean i think that's exactly right because you basically just read us romans chapter four mm-hmm. you know i mean that's exactly what it's talking about yeah. romans chapter four is about uh taking our identity as a as a large air quotes proper child those are my mm-hmm. words like becoming an actual child an actual son and daughter of God yeah. someone who is is placed there by the father empowered by the father and given competency through the work of what the father has done rather than someone who is the same as a slave under the bondage of sin mm-hmm. and the law but instead someone who's free and secure yep. in who they are because God says, "This is who you are. Mm-hmm. This is who He created you to be." And you, you the, the the competence and the confidence is in is in the Father's work. Yeah. You know, like you said, you, when we have hope in that, I mean, that's what Romans four talks mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. is that sonship. Yeah, and uh, when we have our hope in that, we actually have hope in something that will pan out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like the it's like the little kid, you know, who thinks their dad can do anything. You know, mm-hmm. that's it, you know we know that's hyperbole. You know, it's like no, your dad can't dunk a basketball with, with his feet. You know, what I mean, it's not it's not going to happen <laughs> when the room is ten feet. You right? know what I mean? <laughs> but when it's six feet, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, you know that that type of confidence, that mm-hmm. type of yeah. uh, you know, we have confidence in, in the in the God of creation who. Can handle it all, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's where we receive our competence at the appointed time. It talks mm-hmm. about that in Romans four. If yeah. you're an heir, but you're a child and you're under you're under the the the, the stewardship of the mm-hmm. law basically is the correlation it's drawing. The stewardship of the law, then you're, you're 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 kind of over here waiting until the appointed time. Well, our appointed time is now. Mm-hmm. it's present. Our appointed time has has been completed by the work of Jesus at the yeah. cross, and we become heirs and sons Mm -hmm. and functioning sons and daughters of God who are secure in our place. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. That's good word. That's really good. And one of the things that you kind of touched on Ben just now, but the idea of, Um, even just growing up and maturing from adolescent, this kind of transition. uh, Henry Cloud talked about it as far as this almost transition of power as far as becoming an adult starts with as a child, you're dependent and as over the course of kind of getting into teenage and adult years, you're beginning to kind of work through and taking more responsibility and ownership of you and kind of your responsibility. So um, I wanted to kind of ask a question related to that. How do y'all think kind of parenting and even just are each individual stories of how that transition of power Power, if you will, how much does that impact, um, just our spiritual walks as far as our views towards authority and, uh, just kind of working with other people?
0: I mean, I have a really long answer to that. I'll try to keep it short, <laughs> but, you know, I think it starts with understanding the difference between, um, you know, authoritative hierarchical uh, mentalities versus honor and mm-hmm. submission yeah and and then that that what well, we just talked about that proper identity you know i think that's kind of where it starts honestly um i could go i could go on and on with that because we we do have to understand that in order to grow we have to honor that which has come before us and we have to honor wisdom that's outside of us mm-hmm. and we have to listen and we have to grow and we are um under an authority but not in a punitive and a condescending way mm-hmm. not in a you're less than sort of way which is mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, I'm not sure why Henry didn't use this term, but it's, it's pejorative. He's talking about being pejorative. It's, it's not, it's, it's in a non-pejorative sense. You know, the, the good, good authority and good um, uh, um, honor in those relationships. It, when it's non-pejorative, it's actually healthy. And so then we can actually um, uh, grow up, per se, into, into who, who we're supposed to be. I hope that rambling made sense.
2: I learned a new vocabulary word, so that's good.
1: (laughs) What he did say and I really loved is this whole brothers and sisters theme. Like we, when we realize, and this happened to me in my 20s when I realized that my dad was my brother. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) You know, and not only that, but, and I say this with incredible respect towards my dad and honor. Sure. But I realized that I... The things that he, you know, things that used to hurt me no longer were hurting me anymore. And then I, you know, married Taylor, and then I understood the scripture in Genesis, and then in Matthew 19, Jesus repeats that Genesis two verse that says, "For this a man will leave his father and his mother to be united with his wife; the two shall become one." And you leave. There's the leaving, then there's the cleaving. But you leave the authority of your of your mom and dad and you don't leave the honor exactly. and, and you don't leave the, the, the love, but your role does change. And again, seeing seeing my, my parents as you know, a brother and a, and a sister, doesn't mean that I'm going to belittle them or, or talk down to them, but it helps me see, I'm not responsible to take my own decisions. I'm not responsible to take care of my own family first. So, so there was this shift of, of authority uh, in that season of my life. Uh, but it is fun to talk about it as a church because Paul, who is, you know, the highest authority in, in Bible-wise in, of the apostles, he wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, he was clear. He, he, was, he was super humble, he said, hey, I'm, I'm the worst of sinners. I know grace the most because I recognize how badly I need it. And yet he was an incredibly authoritative uh, leader who experienced a ton of defiance. Mm. So much of his letters were writing to naysayers. He was teaching the, the church, hey, y'all like you saw the way that I lived you saw the way that I you know did but here are these guys that are telling you that you have to prove your salvation you need to you know follow this teaching or, or follow this person and I'm here to tell you I'm not even telling you to follow me I'm telling you to follow Jesus it's it's not about people it's about following the Lord so I think we we get lost in this whole balance of how do I how do we see other how do we see other people in mm-hmm. the church, our mm-hmm. families? Um, but um, yeah, now now I'm rambling, so I'm I'm gonna let I'm gonna let that be. I started right it, there.
0: so yeah. <laughs> I started the rambling. <laughs> well, it's kind of it kind of like the concept that that our good friend uh, and founding pastor Rob Campbell used to say. I'm Not sure where he got it, but he may have come up. He may have coined it on his own. I don't know. Let's give
1: him credit. I don't just, even know what it is, but yeah. let's <laughs> just go ahead and give him credit. What
0: he used to say, you know, is is. And he always said this in the context of marriage relationship, but I think it applies here as well. Is like as, as you work to become more like Jesus and I work to become more like Jesus, Jesus doesn't war with Jesus. Mm-hmm. you know. And so in, in doing that as we become healthy, which working, yeah. like you said, Jose, working uh, toward being more like Jesus is really mm-hmm. moving towards health— you know, as 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 we do that, then I think that we can naturally see those competitions and those mm-hmm. hierarchies fall fall away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, because I don't I don't have to climb I don't have to climb a ladder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I've talked. I'm sure that the 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 worship personnel are sick of listening to me. <laughs> yeah. Say say that. And everybody else, probably, because I say it so much, you know, I'm not as interested in what you do as I am who you are. Amen. And there is no ladder. Mm-hmm. There is no ladder. We have no hierarchy ladder to mm-hmm. climb here. Mm-hmm. It just isn't there. So if you're climbing a ladder, I don't know which one it is. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a ladder to nowhere.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you're going to get up there and be alone and wonder how to get down. <laughs> no, that's good.
2: That's good. Well... It's not the Conversations podcast without talking about a little practical application. So I'd love to ask both of y'all as we talk about being secure in Christ and um, not only thinking about who, Jose, yesterday you talked about how God has created us specifically and uniquely to bring him glory, but then also whose as far as who we are in him as his children. These are all great things and to write up on a wall or put somewhere, but, but what does it look like to actually take steps towards it this week or maybe this month for people that are really wanting to kind of take the next step?
1: I would ask myself, who do I look up to? And who am I looking down on? And for, the, for those that you're looking up to, are they in God's place? Or are you admiring their competency, their ability to be secure in Christ? Hopefully those are either leaders in the world or people of faith that you're like, man, I want what that guy has. I want my family to look like that person's family, or I want you know uh, to to do that the way that they do it. And if they're in God's place, then then I think a very practical thing is is recognize that they are there. And then knock them off, because uh, when Jesus is speaking in Matthew twenty three, we didn't really talk about this in the message yesterday. But you know, Jesus says, "Hey, I'm the, I'm your only teacher. Don't call anybody teacher. Don't call anybody father, because I am your authority figure. So I am the one that really belongs on on the throne, and, and me alone. And and um, and then if if you got people that you're looking down on, that you're trying to prove your competency in over in their life, then ask yourself why and allow that security that we have in Christ to inform yourself of, of how he sees you because of the work that Jesus has done, not because of our lack of competency or anything. And then I think that'll help us move towards health um, in, in that specific area. The other is spiritual gifts, but um, I, I wanna hear what Ben has to say. I'm going to need you to repeat the
2: question. <laughs> yeah, how do we practically apply uh, remind, re- being secure in Christ and remembering who we are and whose we are? Um,
0: I, I think one, one way, there I, <laughs> there's so many ways, I think, to talk mm-hmm. about it. But one way that comes to mind is to really take inventory of your view of what um, a, a father figure is. Mm. Um, I know that's kind of Taken down a bit of a rabbit trail, but I'll keep it brief. Um, because if we have um a, a flawed or traumatic view of what a father is, then that can really, really affect our ability to receive our identity from God the Father. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh because if we're projecting that perception that may be negative um onto God, which is so easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um and it can even be done in a positive sense, you know. Because my dad was good in this way, that must be the way God is. Well, not not always, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Um, I think I think we have to take inventory of that, and then really understand, uh, or seek to understand, pray and ask the Spirit, and talk to uh, people that you know are for you um, about how to really receive um, sonship hmm. from the Father. I think of. Um, the story of um, um, when when Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on water, right? And then he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. You know, we read that when you know, Jesus' words there are something like something to the effect of "What the heck, Peter?" You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what's wrong with you? Why? Why did you do this? You know? And we read it as sort of a, a, a rebuke, but I hear it as a as a ah Peter come on, man, mm-hmm. you're right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't waver, I'm here, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And, he, and then, of course, Jesus was still there and still rescued him and was still, and he's like, I, I want you to walk on water, man. And it wasn't a punitive response, it was a, it was a true heart of the Father response to Peter. And so I think being able to connect with the real, that reality of God the Father and, and understanding that nothing that exists here in 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 a, in our in our time frame in our experience on earth he didn't have to do any of this stuff but he did it because of that heart of the father and because he loves us and because we're objects of his affection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the only reason we exist is because we're objects of his affection it's the only reason this entire world exists mm-hmm. and working to really take that in despite what may have happened in the practicality of our lives here yeah. Where we where we have sin and we have all that stuff and maybe our father wasn't great, yeah. you know, um, yeah. you have to work for that. I think we have to work for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah, good.
2: That's it's my really thought. Good. Yeah, that's really good. Well, it's nearly impossible to summarize the whole series last five weeks. Each one has been so full of truth and just a lot of, at least I know I can speak for myself and saying there's a lot of great questions and uh, conversations I've had with people, just whether it's in community group or just throughout um, the week, but I would love Jose, to kind of give you the last word is kind of tying up the series and just kind of thinking about not only maybe just a takeaway for the series as a whole, but even just where do we go as a church from here as far as a church that's focused on health?
1: I said it a lot of times before I spoke during the message that we want to be a church that hurting people run towards and not from. And we want to be a church that heals. I want to be a pastor that is uh, whole and pursuing health in my personal life, in my marriage, with my family, with the staff, uh, community group leaders, beyond. And I really think that as we do that, we're going to be really attractive in this crazy culture that is not getting any more calm or tame. Um, And so, it's a really, in my mind, vision wise, uh, I think we have a great opportunity to be the uh, a healthy body in a in an unhealthy culture. And so I think continuing to remember what the Lord has done in our lives is really important talking about it and continuing to be a safe place for each other so that we can process what's going on. And just what Ben talked about, the, sometimes the cards that were dealt to us in life were unfair and we just need to talk about it. And as we open up and actually identify those things, kind of like what we talked about when processing pain, then, you know, going back to the first week, you dig up that truth and then you allow people and the Holy Spirit through the church to, to, to provide grace. And and then you you start that process, which takes time. And we start seeing healing happen. We start feeling more free. And and ultimately, I think how we ended, we we recognize that we are secure. We are fully safe with Jesus. So I would say wherever you're at, we finished with three words, wounded, healed, healer. Uh, whether you are just still in that wounded place and, and maybe you're just beginning to scratch the surface and this series was just the beginning of your process. Keep on going. Uh, find somebody that, that you find safe. Uh, find a community group, CR, prayer ministry team, so many pastors on staff that we can reach out to. We're here so that you can process. And whether you've found healing, you're healed in an area, talk about it. Bring God the glory and uh, use that example to then do that third part, which is be a part of God's healing in somebody else's life. Be a part of being a healer. And I think as we continue on, we'll see some pretty cool things take place. And again, all glory goes to God.
0: All right, hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations Podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us Conversations at Cypresscreechurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.